Welcome to Know Your Risk Radio on 97.3 Cairo FM and AM 770 KTTH. Know Your Risk Radio is hosted by Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital. Whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy, every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile. Know Your Risk Radio is brought to you by Bulwark Capital, helping families navigate the ever-changing and often volatile markets. Know Your Risk Radio starts now. Here's your host, Zach Abraham. And we are back. Thank you so much for joining us for yet another of the most scintillating hours in finance radio. And we're trying something a little new today. Well, I'm trying something new today. I am actually, because of our outstanding staff here at Bulwark, they got me a new desk. I wanted a desk that I could stand up at, right? Better on the back and things like that. So I'm doing the show standing up and I realized this, that I'd never done a show standing up before. So if it sounds a little more energetic, well, I don't know, maybe, maybe it will, maybe it won't. I'm kind of, I'm a creature of habit. So I, (laughs) as funny as it sounds, I was a little afraid to try it standing up. I was like, yeah, this is going to be weird, but uh, hey, so far so good. This is why you tune in, right? To hear my posture. (laughs) to hear a report of what posture I am using while doing the show. Anyway, great show planned for you guys today. Have another great interview lined up with the old friend of the show and soon-to-be full-time employee at Bulwark Capital, Chase Taylor of Pinecone Macro Research. He is our full-time macro analyst, but he's actually moving over to the West Coast next year, and he'll be with us in the offices here at the Bulwark headquarters full-time. So, I, you know, I'm happy about it. I don't know if he's going to be too happy after he gets here. <laughs> but uh, anyway, great show planned. We'll, we'll end the show as always with, you know, six, seven, eight minutes or so of the, of the interview, interview with Chase. And then if you want to hear the rest of it, as always, you'll have to go to Bulwark Capital or, excuse me, knowyourriskradio.com or, you know, Google Know Your Risk Radio podcast, download, and, uh, download the, uh, or, or excuse me, subscribe to the podcast, download the whole interview. And guys, just if you listen to the show, just just subscribe to the podcast. And I'll tell you why. Uh, a, the more subscribers we have, the easier it is. We don't charge for any of this or pay people to come on, obviously. So the more subscribers we have, the more downloads we have, uh, the better guests we get. That's kind of how you get ranked in this industry. And by the way, I gotta I gotta thank you guys. Um, we were doing some analytics, or our media people were, and they came to us. Apparently, Know Your Risk Radio was like. 110, the 110th ranked, 110th ranked. Hey, mom, I made 110th place. No, but still, there's a large universe of podcasts out there. There's there's millions of them. And we're in the top 110, 115, somewhere in there of finance investing podcasts in the world. And um, that shocked me. It shocked me and... Uh, just thank you guys. I, I appreciate it. And that's, you know, that's why we're getting the Mike Greens, getting more. It, it just gives us more collateral because these people want to be heard. So do us a favor and do yourselves a favor. Uh, subscribe it and download it. And um, again, it keeps helping us get higher profile guests. It's one of the ways that we got Robert Schiller, right? The Nobel Prize winning economist. Um, so anyway, let's get into the business, though. So today we're going to go through the market update. But I'm going to do a segment on U.S. Treasuries and bonds. There's a lot of confusion out there, and I realize that I have not made myself clear, even with some of our own clients. Again, you've heard me on the radio railing against bonds for seven years, right? Our clients have too. And all of a sudden, they started seeing bonds showing up in their portfolio. And I got some panic calls. Zach, I thought bonds were horrible. And I went, and, and I started talking them through it, and I, I realized that I had not properly explained why we like some some bonds right now and um, and and what kind of win we expect to get from them. And I'll just come right out now and tell you, is it nice that you can make four point three percent on a two year u s government treasury? Yes, you know we haven't seen rates like that since two thousand and seven. Is it nice that you can make 4% on a 10-year U.S. government treasury? Yes. Haven't been able to make that again since like 2007. Is that where the opportunity is? Is that why we're doing it to make that 4%? No. 
So I will explain to you what I mean by that. We're also going to talk about commercial real estate, do a sector on commercial real estate, because I think like we've seen with crypto, like we're seeing with seeing with real estate, remember with 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 uh, residential real estate, which I don't think is in anywhere near as much trouble as some other kinds. Um, <clears throat> I think multifamily is probably going to hang in there for the most part, just because the higher rates go, uh, you know, the more people won't be able to buy a house. So they got to rent. Right. Um, but I, I think the, the thaw and the, and the, you know, the individual home, right. Individual family type homes, you know, traditional, uh, uh, uh residential real estate. I think that's going to be under some pressure. I don't think it's going to cave. Right. Um, I don't think we're looking in 08, 09, but remember how I said that these higher rates would impact each section of the economy. Well, one of the sections I think they're going to hit the hardest is commercial office space. People are like, well, yeah, because of COVID. No, no, it's different. And and so I think there's a pending serious issue in commercial office space. But the reason we want to focus on it is because I want to use it as an example of what these rate increases are going to do. Okay. Because it's not just what people think. And as I've said a hundred times, when we look at the the whole rate issue, right, it's not not so much just, you know, oh, it makes cars more expensive and things like that. It makes things blow up. It makes things break. And I think that's going to be a perfect uh, story, if you will, a perfect segment to really explain that. So you get, you kind of get your hands around what the deleterious impacts of higher rates are on the economy. And you kind of understand why guys like me are looking at these rates going, Hey, it's not just houses and homes. It's not just cars guys. This impacts everything. Um, So, and then we're also going to dig into, uh, like I said, some crypto. I'm going to share with you the, the, the findings that I found from being on Todd Herman's show and the research that we did there. So first of all, uh, right out of the gate um, there, you guys have all heard it. Right. There's so much talk about a Fed pivot and quite honestly, this undying faith or belief that the Fed's going to pivot at any moment because they've caused too much pain in the stock market. Um, I really think it's missed. And and James Bullard, who's on the FOMC, the Federal Open Markets Committee. So he's one of the guys that makes these decisions. He was getting interviewed either Monday or was it over this last weekend? And he was getting asked about a pivot. And, you know, the pain that the rate increases are causing in the stock market. And he rolled his eyes and he just said, look, he literally rolled his eyes. And he said, look, we've got a lot more work to go. Inflation is not responding to rate increases like we thought. Then Daly came out and said, we are going to hike more. I, we think investors are not getting the message. The Fed is really trying to be clear about this. And stock market participants seem to think they're going to chicken out. They're not. And, and, and here's why. The further they run this market up, the more this market hangs in there. They're just giving the Fed more runway to hike. Okay, so they're being very clear. And I've been very hard on the Fed. I already think they've overdone it on the rate increases, right? But on the flip side, they're making up for what they should have been doing the last 15 years. And I want to make that very clear. I I don't support the rate increases the way they're going. But this is exactly why we didn't support 0% interest rates for 15 years. And I said that so much over the last seven years. Whatever you don't do now, right, the longer you delay this process, the harder you're going to have to hike when you actually have to hike. And that's kind of where we're at. And the stock market just isn't take. they just refuse to believe it. So, um, you know, I think there's a lot more pain ahead. Um But, you know, he could not be more clear about this. And the Fed, I think, I, you know, and part of me sits there and wonders, I don't think they'll do this because I haven't seen them be overly hawkish in 15 years, but they're starting to, if you read through the tea leaves, listening to the Fed talk, I think there's some frustration. I think that they thought that the market would take the cue by now. And I honestly think that. They're not nearly as focused on the stock market as people think they are. Now, I've said they were very focused on the stock market in the past. They were. They were trying to gin the stock market up higher, but you got to remember the environment we were in. We were looking at 2.5% growth with inflation somewhere between 1.8, 
you know, one seven, one eight to two point two percent. So they were trying to stimulate and trying to generate inflation. Um, they're not now. And I think the the other thing that I think people are getting wrong about the Fed is the Fed doesn't want high interest rate or excuse me, low interest rates. Right. Everybody acts like the Fed is dying to get back to zero. They don't want to be at zero. It doesn't give them enough flexibility. Right. If, if they could keep the market trading at 21 to 22 times earnings and the bond market stayed orderly and they could do it with a six, six and a half percent Fed funds rate, that's what they do. Right. So I just I think the market is way off sides. And here's the other part of it. You know, the old adage, don't fight the Fed when the Fed is printing and the Fed is pumping and they're cutting rates and they're sitting at zero. Don't fight the Fed. And the people that said that for the last 15 years were correct. Now, those same people are fighting the Fed. Right. What is one of the biggest things in common that every single recession and every single market, serious market decline? What, what is one thing they've all had in common? Fed hiking rates. Literally every single one of them. So is it possible? Is it possible that the most aggressive rate hiking cycle in, in history won't see the market dip below 22 times earnings and that we found bottom? Look, in this crazy world, I think we all know that anything is possible. Is it likely? No, not at all. Okay, so we're going to stay on the reality side of it. We're not going to drink the hopium here. We're going to keep our eyes fixed on what is going on. Earnings are dropping. Rates are going up. Inflation is still at a four, you know, 40-year high. The dollar index is still in the red. The five horsemen of the apocalypse are still running wild. Dollar's pulled back a little bit, but it's still in the red zone. Okay, so... Nothing has really changed on that front. And, um, you know, again, the market's, the market's just, uh, the market's choosing to believe that that's not going to be the case. I don't really, guys, I, I wish I could comment on what the market is doing right now. I wish I could tell you and make some sense out of it. I am seeing moves and breakdowns and correlations. Yesterday, I saw a scenario where the dollar was down, oil was down, and gold was down. I've seen scenarios where rates are up and stocks are up. I all I mean, it's just chaos. Um, And we could sit here for five hours. I think the liquidity is beginning to be a problem, like we discussed with Mike Green last week. Um, Anyway, I look at all of these things, even the things that other people say that they think are constructive, like the run up you had last week in the market. I don't think it is. I, I think all of these are symptoms of, you know, it just so happens sometimes those symptoms make markets shoot higher especially in bear markets like they did the last week. Um, sometimes it makes markets plunge. I just, th- th- this is a sick market. Um, it just is. Another one, if you guys want to see something really funny and you want to see a complete, and again, I'm not trying to beat up on this guy, but this is the kind of stuff that gets investors in so much trouble and the danger of listening to talking heads. There is a video out there on Instagram of Jim Cramer, and it starts in January of 2021, or no, no, January of this year. And NVIDIA was sitting right near an all-time high, and Jim's pumping it, and he goes, I am a pig on NVIDIA. I think it could be a $10 trillion company. (laughs) So, you know, our economy is $21 trillion in size. Jimmy's thinking that this could be, now he's probably thinking several years down the road, to be fair, but Jimmy's thinking that, that NVIDIA microchip company could become worth one third of the entire size of our economy. Um, I shouldn't say that that's ridiculous because I guess anything could happen, but I don't believe any stock has ever grown to that size, especially one that, you know, now, hey, microchips and conductors are really important. Anyway, NVIDIA starts dropping into this year, right? Because it had an extraordinarily high multiple, rates are going up. And like I told you guys last year, rates go up, high multiple stocks get killed. That's what we've seen, right? Why he did, and I I don't have answers. That isn't like a secret Zach sauce or anything like that. It's just common knowledge. That's what happens when rates go up. And that's what's happened this year. And we were pounding the table on that last year. Why guys like him stayed long those stocks? I don't know. I don't have an answer for you. Um, Yeah, maybe they didn't take the, I, I don't know. Anyway, it's something everybody should watch because it's it, it's all too emblematic. It's it's 
of the of the type of thinking right now that's out there in investors. So he's pumping it all the way down. And as it falls further and further, he gets less bullish. Now think about that. If you believe in a company's fundamentals so much so that you think it could be a $10 trillion company and nothing changes at that company, which nothing has, and the price gets that much cheaper, and we're talking about falling from like 330 to today it's trading at 150 so like a 60, 65% decline on the year, something like that. Maybe 50, 50 to 60, I'd have to go cut it. Yeah, somewhere in there, 60, 60% decline. Um, what? Unless something's changed, why wouldn't you be buying more of it? And he gets less and less and less excited. NVIDIA gets down to 122 at the beginning of September or middle of September, somewhere in there. And he announces that they're now short NVIDIA at around 130 immediately after he makes that announcement over the next month and a half, NVIDIA rips 40% higher. You, you just got to watch it. I, <laughs> I don't understand. How, I, and I don't think Jim's a dumb guy. I don't think Jim is dishonest. I don't think he's extraordinarily wise. I also think that he's gotten way too into technical analysis and left fundamental stuff on the side. Again, why didn't we like stocks like that? NVIDIA was trading with a hundred price to earnings ratio uh, at like 25, 30 times revenue coming into this year with a global slowdown staring us in the face and rates going through the roof. Could I have been wrong? Yeah, I guess I could have. But, you know, you look at a stock like that and you're like, that PE ratio is going back down to 50 or 40 with multiples, with, with rates going up this high. Again, I still can't figure out why those guys missed some of that. Um, we also had some interesting earnings come out this week. Uh, especially in retail, um, the one that I found kind of shocking, I wasn't shocked by the results. I was, again, I, I think, I think this is emblematic of what we're talking about, how this market is just got its head in the clouds. Target come out, comes out and announces a, a not good quarter. And then they basically said, get ready for even worse next, next quarter. Maybe it wasn't, I didn't read the queue. I just read some summaries of it because we're not invested in it. Um, and stock got hit by 20%. And part of me just sat there and thought, what were people think? What did you think they were going to say? Oh, consumers are spending more. Go look at credit card limits. I mean, I, it's so odd to me. Like I've said so many times, this recession, not recession debate. I just don't get it. I mean, just stick your head out a window and you'll be able to tell where we are. This, this market ain't ripping, right? This economy isn't ripping. It's getting nasty. Now, then the same people that were shocked by Target were really enthused of the good quarter that TJ Maxx put up. Again, I didn't read the details, read the summary, looked like a decent quarter. Once again, guys, this ain't a good sign. Okay, TJ Maxx is one of the ultimate, right, discount retailers. When they're doing better and more headliners like Target, now Target isn't, you know, I'm not saying it's Dolce & Gabbana, right, but... People aren't go. People are going to Target for good value. People are going to TJ Maxx to really. And I, hey, I've crushed TJ Maxx before. No hating. Um, picked up. You can pick up some dime. You can pick up some dime pieces in there, right? There's some. There's some gems. Um, but I'm just saying. Once again, what does that fit? That fits that recessionary outlook, right? You're slowing down on the premium spending side of things. Macy's announced a decent quarter once again, right? Uh, first of all. Decent compared to the expectations. That's the other thing. This little trick they do on Wall Street, guys. A lot of these companies have guided down knowing that things were going to get tough. They push the bar as close as they can to the ground, and then they jump over it and celebrate like they've just won the high jump, right? Um, so that's part of it. The other part of it is these companies got taken to the woodshed, probably a little overdone. Um, but what you're seeing is anything that's seen, seen with a premium, I shouldn't say anything. Most of the stuff out there that's seen as a premium, right? That's seen upper level, like, you know, those places or, or, or that isn't discount, right? Those types of retailers are, are really struggling. The ones that aren't are the discounts. Again, like I said, that is a recessionary indicator that says recession, that says slowdown. That is not good news. Okay. So once again, that kind of fits the outlook. Um, Let's see. Oh, another one. Remember I told you, you're going to start to see car, uh, uh, automobile sales, 
both with used cars and new cars. You're going to see them rolling over. Carvana put out a report. Their stock has obviously gotten crushed. It was a ridiculous company to begin with um, that we wouldn't have touched with a 10-foot pole except to short it. But <clears throat> anyway, um, they're laying off, what it, shoot, what did they say, 1,800 employees, about 10% of their labor force, 8, 8 to 10% of their labor force, something like that. Um, used car prices are falling off a cliff. All of this should be expected. Rates, guys, just rates. It really is that simple. Uh, and then, like I said, also just a consumer spending air pocket, right? The, consumers, the consumer has gone on a spending spree of which over the last two years, of which there really isn't a historical comp. Like I said, we look back through the data and don't quote me on this, but consumer spending is up 17% since the beginning of 2020. I, I, if that's not a record, it's close to it. I got to go back and confirm that. But from our data that we were looking at, I don't think you've ever seen a jump in consumer spending in two years that big. Well, what do we attribute it to? Could it be because of the greatest wealth transfer and money giveaway in history? It wasn't because the economy was cranking, right? And we've just said, look, look at that burst in consumer spending. It'll probably stay a little higher, I think, at least just due to inflation. But if you jack up rates and you pull the stimulus, wouldn't you expect that consumer spending to go back down? (laughs) So that's another reason why I think we're in for a lot more turbulence. Everybody is still behaving like, well, we're already so down so far this much this year. And I'm like, well, guys, that's because everything that got us there is gone. It's reversed. So I, I still stand there and think that, you know, that 11,000 level, that 3,800 level on the S&P, 11,000 on the NASDAQ, I don't think that that's a bottom. I think it's a start, right? We just, we've just factored in higher interest rates. Everybody's acting like earnings are going to be swimming next year. They're just not. And you're seeing it already, third quarter, five. To, I, I'm actually surprised. I thought earnings would be flat to slightly negative. They were down 5% X energy. So, and like I said, the layoffs are cranking up. You're hearing more and more about that from the tech world. Guys, there seems to be a little bit of apathy. There seems to be a little bit of calm that investors are feeling like the worst is over. I got to tell you, I don't see it. I don't see it at all. And as a matter of fact, I think right now is one of the most dangerous parts. And I'm not just saying that to gin up fear and and get you guys to call. I'm just saying that... um, I think investors are walking right into a buzzsaw thinking that the worst of this is over. And, and, you know, I think it's quite possible we're not even halfway through. And as a matter of fact, if you look back through history, typically the market does not bottom until the Fed, until usually about six months after the Fed, historically speaking, after the Fed starts cutting, right? They ain't cutting anytime soon. So if you want to avoid that, if you want to save money, have a portfolio with more upside, a portfolio that's down about 2 to 3% this year, some of our clients are hanging right around even, 2 3%, 4% overall. I don't think we have anybody down. Stock portfolios are down about 8.5, or 8.5 now today. But if you want a portfolio that's got plenty upside, that was up double digits last year, close to 20%, this year holding in right around 3 to 4, give us a call. It's called risk management. Save yourself some money. Get more upside, less in fees, less risk, 866-779-RISK. Again, 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com, boarcapitalmanagement.com. You guys know the drill. We'll be right back after the break. Stick with us. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. This is Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham. Listen to Zach uncover the truth about the financial markets with simple and honest advice to help you plan for retirement. Get your free copy of Zach's new booklet, Common Sense Investing. Go to knowyourriskradio.com. Hey, it's Story Monson with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. And Zach, I know you and Bulwark are laser focused on risk management. What is the biggest risk right now? Ironically, bonds. Really? Why? Due to all the money printing from central banks in the long period of zero interest rates, some serious inflation has hit, I'm sure you're aware. And inflation crushes bonds. We've been talking about it for seven years. If your portfolio has a significant portion of bonds, you may need a bond replacement strategy. You do need one. Get our free booklet, Common Sense Investing, to learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy. This shows you how to protect your retirement against loss, but still get market gains. Our goal is the highest returns with the least amount of risk and cost. 
Call now for your free copy of Zach's new version of Common Sense Investing. Learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy, 866-779-RISK, or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. Thank you for sticking with us. All right, let's get into it. So <clears throat> the anti-bond guy, I don't think I'm supposed to do that. I don't have a cough button. You ever hear people on radio, yeah, you just got to press the cough button. I don't have a cough button. I should. You, know, you got to, it's like, that's a pro setup. You know, we've been on the air now seven years. I got to complain. Tell these guys, to give me a, a cough button. Anyway, um, so looking at, the rate situation and coming from the guy who's been talking about bond replacement strategies on the air now for seven years. Okay. And we have started buying us government treasuries over the last month, month and a half in our clients accounts. And it's created a little bit more of a stir than I anticipated, you know, some, some, some emails in some calls, uh, you know, what's going on? What are we? Holy smokes. I thought we had to stay away from those things. And then I've had some meetings with some clients that are like, hey, you know, Zach, if if we're just going to be buying bonds and hey, this isn't a slam at all. Uh, I think this is a conversation I had with my client, Jim, the other day. Jim, hope, hope all is well, man. It's good seeing you. Um, but he said, you know, hey, Zach, no offense, but, you know, I want you to manage a stock portfolio. I don't want to, you know, I don't really want to pay you to sit on, on, you know, U.S. government bonds. I can buy those myself. You know, I can just buy CDs that are paying 4%. And I looked at him and I go, well, yeah, but those CDs don't have the potential of going up 25 to 30% in value over the next 16 months. And he kind of looked at me and he's like, well, what do you mean? And I realized that I don't think I've properly explained this. So let me lay this out. One of the things that happens in a recession and and in virtually every big market decline, one of the things that happens is what we refer to as spreads blowing out, okay? And what I mean by that is that when things get really nasty, investors grab the safest assets. Well, widely considered around the world, the risk, the king of all risk-free safe assets is considered the U.S. government bond. Now, this year, it hasn't felt very safe. Because I think U.S. government bonds, by and large, are down about, you know, it's talking about 10s, 20s, and 30s, 10-year, 20-year, 30 years. Uh, I, you know, those bonds are probably down, yeah, I think they're down like an average of 35% or something crazy like that this year. It's, I think it's one of the worst years for treasuries on, on record. And so people are like, why would we want to buy those? Well, it, first of all, in recessions, when, when the market finally faces reality, it wants to grab onto the safest asset, U.S. government bonds. Okay, and it wants to get rid of a risky assets, stocks, corporate bonds. And so what we refer to as spreads blowing out, meaning in normal times, interest rates are sort of like a ladder, right? The things that pay you the least amount of interest are usually the safest. The things that pay you the highest amount of interest are usually the most dangerous. That's why one of the things I've said is when you look at an interest rate, you can easily call it a risk rate. The higher the rate, the higher the risk, right? So when investors have a flight to quality and want to get safe, they buy U.S. government treasury. And, and, and oh, by the way, in, when things are serene and things are normal, right, the, the, the difference between those, the spread, right, what is the safest thing U.S. government's paying and what are investment grades, so high-quality corporate bonds paying. Corporate bonds are a little more risky than U.S. government bonds, so they're typically going to pay a little higher interest rate. Then you move on down the food chain and you get into you know, uh, B-level or bottom-level investment-grade bonds, kind of the decent quality but not great. You know, and then you get into junk bonds. Well, what happens, and, and, those, and those, the, the spreads between them, the differences in rates are pretty uniform. Well, what happens when things get saucy and rates start going up and you're in the middle of a recession and companies' earnings are getting hit and revenue's getting hit, right, is the spreads blow out. They quit being orderly. The yields, what, 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 what interest rate you will get paid from U.S. government bonds typically goes down sharply. And 
the amount of interest that corporate bonds pays you goes up sharply. And people go, well, that's good. It's paying you higher interest. What you guys need to understand as is rates for bonds are kind of like earnings for stocks, but it's inverse. If you think the rate on a bond is going to go down, then you want to buy that because if the rate goes down on that bond, the value of the bond goes up. Let me give you an example. When we went into COVID, now remember our stock portfolios during the COVID crash, the market dropped 36%. Our stock portfolios were down about 11 One of the biggest reasons that we weren't down as much was because of U.S. government treasuries. We didn't know how bad COVID was going to be. We didn't know there was going to be international lockdowns. We didn't know there were going to be vaccine mandates and all the stuff, but we just saw some serious economic headwinds coming our way. And we thought that it would make people fly to safer assets, i.e. U.S. government bonds, and as people buy the bonds, is as the appetite to buy the bonds goes up, the price of the bond goes up. So think about it this way. If somebody, every bond out there, every bond is issued at $1,000 increments. And let's just say that bond is paying 5%. If more people want to buy that bond, and, 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 and every bond, like I said, when it's initially issued, it's sold at 1000 bucks. okay? Well, if you think, if a lot of people want that bond, just like with a stock, if more people want the bond than, than want to sell the bond, the price of the bond goes up. Well, remember, it was issued with a 5% coupon or a yield. That yield doesn't change, right? But that yield, that 5% was factored off the original sale price of 1000 So that bond pays $50 of interest per year. That's what it pays. Now, if the price of that bond goes up to $1,100 or $1,200 because more people want it to buy it than want to sell it, that bond still pays 50 bucks, but 50 bucks of 1200 is not 5%, right? So what you can say, you could either say the price of the bond went up or the yield went down. Now, yield really didn't go down. It just went down because the price of the bond went higher, right? So what we're trying to do is we want to buy bonds that are going to go up in price and we don't want to buy bonds that are going to go down in price. And I had a client of mine tell me, hey, Zach, I hear what you're saying about, uh, uh, you. I see what you're saying about bonds, but I'm buying the corporate bonds because they pay me a percent and a half more. And I went, no, 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 no. Those corporate bonds are going to get hammered. They might pay you a percent and a half more, but you might lose 20, 30, 40% on the principal value of the bond. So getting back to what we did during COVID, About the end of January, last week or so of January, we started loading up. We put about 20% of the value fund that I run, we put about 20% of it into U.S. government bonds, 10-year U.S. government bonds. And we were buying them when they were paying about 1.8, 1.9. Well, COVID hits, the appetite for U.S. bonds goes through the roof, and they get down to where we bought them when they were paying 1.8, 1.9. We sold them when they were paying 0.4. Okay, so that drop... From 1.8 to 1.9 down to 0.4 meant equated to us making about a 30% profit on the bonds, right? A 30% profit on U.S. government bonds in the space of about a month and a half. So they're like a hedge. And typically that's what happens when markets get rocked, U.S. government bonds go, go, go up, Right now, that's not what happened this year because the reason markets got rocked because interest rates were going up. And this is what we've been saying for years. Guys, get out of bonds of all kind. First of all, you're not getting paid anything. Second of all, interest rates have to go up. It's inevitable. When they do, you're going to get kicked in the teeth. Right. So now people are like, oh, well, bonds look attractive. They don't. U.S. government bonds look attractive because spreads are going to blow out way wider than they currently are, in my opinion, which means corporates are going to lose. And it means now, when do you want to buy corporates? You usually want to buy corporates or even junk debt when they've been blown to pieces and they're paying eight, nine, 10, 11%, right? Kind of when you want to go in bottom fishing and buying stocks on the cheap, same thing applies to bonds. Okay. So we're not buying, I mean, look, making four, four and a half percent on our money isn't bad. And I think that that's actually a very attractive return 
over the next year and a half or so based on what we see going on in the underlying economy. But that's not what's got me excited about the U.S. government bonds. What's got me excited about the U.S. government bonds is that if the Fed keeps rates here for another year, the entire economy is going to blow up. The Fed is going to be forced to cut rates at some point or things will get nasty out there and investors will want out of the stock market. And we very much think that the yield on the 10-year treasury is probably going to drop down to the 25 2% level. That's what's got us excited about U.S. government bonds. We've got the chance to make a 20 to 30% profit while we're getting paid 4 to 4.5% a year for, it, for waiting for it to happen. Not a bad gig. The other thing I like about it, risk management, right? How much higher can the Fed hike? Not much, guys. Will they hike one or two more times? Yeah. But you may actually see the yield on U.S. government bonds go down because investors know with every 25 basis to 50 basis point hike, you're getting closer and closer to nasty, nasty things happening, right? Now, I'm not saying the 10-year won't go a little higher. We're steadily buying more. We bought a little more today because yields popped. Every time yields go up a little bit, it's kind of like buying a stock because it's going down, right? Dollar cost averaging. We're buying more, but it's very important, guys. I I am not here telling you the light is green on bonds. There is only one kind of bond that I want right now, and it's U.S. government treasuries. And like I said, it's a wonderful hedge. Um, And I just, right, risk management. Do I know we're going to make 20% to 30%? No, I don't know. Nobody does, right? But the reason I like it is we're going to make 4, 4.5% no matter what. The chances of us having any losses of any any significant size are very low. Why? Because they just can't hike much more right? Cracks are starting to show everywhere. And you'll, we'll, we'll see that in the next segment talking about commercial real estate. But be very careful. You don't want to just jump into bond funds or anything. We need to be selective. And if you're, if, and, and you know, if you're one of our clients, that's actually buying the individual U.S. government bonds. We're not getting into diversified bond portfolios that have got a mix. I don't want any of that. I want to be, this is not a time where I want to buy a potpourri basket of stuff. I want to know everything that I own. And right now, I want exposure to U.S. government bonds. I want exposure to energy. I want very a little bit of exposure to just value stocks that we think can hold up during anything right now. But we want to be tactical. We want to be surgical. If these are not the kinds of talks you're ha- having, right? If these aren't the kinds of thinking that is going into your portfolio, if you weren't aware of the difference, and you're not having these conversations with your money manager, your advisor, about the difference between treasuries and corporates, the real opportunity available right now with treasuries, guys, give us a call. You deserve this kind of thinking. You deserve a portfolio that is managed for risk, that regardless of the outcome, your retirement is still intact, right? You deserve a portfolio when everybody else is down 20 to 25, you're down three to four. That's what a retirement portfolio should look like. And if I sound like I could get heated over it, I do, because it's not nefarious. These people aren't trying to do you wrong. They just don't know what they're doing. And they're paying you, you're, you're paying significant fees for results you can get on your own. What you deserve is this level of thinking, this type of thought, this active management and hedging and protecting. What you bloody deserve is somebody that is accountable for the performance of your portfolio. When you call them, they shouldn't just tell you every time, stick with it. You got to ride it out. You got to keep paying us a fee, but you got to write it out. Well, what am I, if that's your answer, what am I paying you a fee for? Guys, give us a call. 866-779-RISK. Again, 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com, bulwarkcapitalmanagement.com. You guys know the drill. We're going to be right back. And you know what I'm thinking here? I was going to do a segment on commercial real estate, but I'm going to bring in Chase Taylor right now. He and I will discuss commercial real estate because it, that is very much a part of macroeconomics. And he can help us explore that. So stick with us through the break. We'll be right back. We'll do about 10 minutes of the interview and then until the show is over. And then as always, you can log back on and hear the rest of the interview. So stick with us through the break. We'll be right back with Chase Taylor. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at Know Your Risk Radio. And give us a call, 866-779-RISK. Again, 866-779-RISK. Stick with us through the break. We'll be right back. This is Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham. Listen to Zach discuss key investment strategies across several asset classes, not just stocks and bonds. Get your free copy of Zach's new booklet, Common Sense Investing. Go to knowyourriskradio.com. Hey, it's Story Monson with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. Zach, what's the number one concern with people's investments right now? 
Without a doubt, Dory, it's inflation, and it's here. All the money printing from the Fed and long period of zero interest rates, the bills come and due, and inflation's going up. And when inflation rises, bonds get smoked. We've been saying it for years. If you're using bonds in the old-school 60-40 mix with stocks as the safe portion of your portfolio, you're taking a risk in today's inflationary environment. Well, what should our listeners do? If you're worried about inflation, we believe that you should consider getting out of bonds and get educated with Bulwark's bond replacement strategy. We teach you exactly how to do it in our free book Common Sense Investing. Learn how to protect your portfolio against loss, but still seek to grow your assets. Call Zach now for your free copy of Common Sense Investing, 866-779-RISK, or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, now is my favorite time of the show again. Get to bring in somebody else that's hopefully smarter and more knowledgeable than I am. And in this case, I think, we've, I th- I think we're spot on there. Uh, we are joined today by our global macro analyst, the guy that's helping us keep the ship in the middle of the buoys, uh, Mr. Chase Taylor joining us again. Chase, great to have you back on the show, pal. Yeah, great to be back, and I don't know if I'm smarter than you, but I, you had Mike Green on here recently. He's, I think he's smarter than both of us combined, so we'll, we'll just try to keep up with Mike. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, if you're not smarter than me, pal, then we we need to renegotiate that uh, <laughs> that that employment contract. That's that's my that's my strategy. People are like, "What makes you guys? What what makes Bulwark different?" And I'm like, "I've got a very large universe of people to pick from. They're people that are smarter than me. So, right? It's 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 like uh, it's like shooting fish in a barrel, pal." Um, anyway, a couple of things I want to hit on now, I know, um, I, t- I was planning on doing a, uh, a segment on crypto and I was planning on doing a segment on commercial real estate. I think commercial real estate is, is more up your alley. I know that you, hey, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you kind of view crypto like I do, which is you keep an eye on it, but you might trade it when things look good, but it's, it's certainly not a core holding of anything you're doing. Correct. Yeah, that's kind of the way I see it. Like, I'm happy to trade it. To me, it's a trading sardine. There, there are times where it's great to to trade it. Uh, it responds to technical analysis really well, usually. Yeah, so, like from that standpoint, like it's fine. But and I did a really deep dive on it, you know, years ago, 2016 or something. I was I started buying under a thousand dollars on Bitcoin. And I did a really deep dive on it. I really wanted to believe in it, and I just kind of kept coming back to the same point i think a lot of other people did where like i really couldn't understand the use case people would like, explain it and i'm like yeah but like it doesn't don't we already have like 10 things that do that like i i can never wrap my head around the use case personally and i still can't other than you know it's something that's well at least with bitcoin it's something that's kind of scarce so maybe it has some value but most of the rest of the crypto universe is is clearly just kind of worthless and fraudulent and yeah i i don't have big takes on on, on crypto i'm not a i'm not a an evangelist by any stretch and but i'm also not a, a, a giant hater you know I've, I've been long at it at times and it's made me money so i i don't hate it but obviously what's been going on lately is, is really unfortunate but not particularly surprising i that's the part and that that to me is the part of it that i just don't understand i understand inexperienced investors getting involved i cannot understand these more experienced investors getting involved it, it was just a sector growing up in the micro cap natural resource sector like i did um i i just looked at these things right out of the gate and went this looks a lot like a pump and dump you know what i mean just 100 uh, it, 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 it that's what it looked like to me it looked like the scuzziest parts of the natural resource micro cap sector and like the actors look similar the stories sounded similar and i just went yuck and you could just see it i mean especially when they started throwing off native coins i just went uh wait a second the, these things have no value whatsoever. And one of the other problems I've had with the chase is if Bitcoin, right? If you listen to people tell you why Bitcoin is so good, I, I agree with everything they're saying. I just look at them and say, guys, there's no IP. So if you want to make a utility argument with me with Bitcoin, why should I pay 16,000 for it? I'll go out there and program my own and pay two bucks for it. Right? I mean, if, if the utility of the coin is why we buy it and there's no IP, then why wouldn't we just copy it? And they go, well, that's not the only reason you buy it, right? It's not just the utility. It's the, it's the, it's a network effect. And I go, okay, so we're paying the money for the network effect. Well, no, no. Well, it's for the utility, the network. It's just this circular argument, right? 
Um, I love the ethos behind it. I think it's got some great use case. Anyway, I, I did a deep dive on it though. Cause I was on a, on a, on a radio show that I, I on, on another guy's radio show once a week. I'm like the, believe it or not, I'm the finance expert he brings on. So I always give the audience a caveat here. Uh, <laughs> but, um, I did a deep dive on it on his behalf. Cause he wanted me to explain to his, his, uh, his folks, you know, what, what was happening. And the thing I will tell you guys is that just, just take my word on this. If you have a substantial amount of money in crypto, hey, look, I could be wrong. I'm just telling you, get out. Okay. That this bit finesse, exchange. I don't think that the thing's going to be solvent for another 60 days. I think that it is attached to somewhat illegally, an entity called tether. And the way I've described tether is tether is sort of like chips in a, in a casino, right? Like you, you swap in your, your money for tether and then you use tether to trade coins and all that kind of stuff. Um, tether is a complete fraud. We dug into it. I have no problem saying that on the radio. Uh, if people want to sue me for that, go ahead. Um, I mean, guys, it is a Ponzi scheme. It is a fraud. Am I saying that mean makes Bitcoin worthless? No, but Tether is probably the biggest liquidity provider in the entire crypto space. Bitfinex is one of the other biggest exchanges. It might be the biggest left now. Or I think Coinbase is probably bigger. But um, it, it, the, the blatant fraud, the guy that, did you know this CZ, the guy that runs Bitfinex, won't even tell anybody where it's located? Like, so that he won't, he, that nobody knows where their headquarters are because he refuses to tell. Right. And then sure there's they're somewhere, somewhere similar to the Bahamas. <laughs> right. Yeah. They're not in the Bahamas. They're in the Virgin Islands. Um, right. So, no, it's just I, look, it, there's been pain felt by everybody else. You've gotten your warnings, guys. Get out. OK, that, these other exchanges are going to collapse for the exact same reasons. I think the entire thing is just rife with fraud. And just go look. There's a there's a YouTube video out there that really tells the story pretty well. It's only about 30 minutes long. Um, it's like the truth about tether or something like anyway um it's a great uh, you know what i'll post the video on my twitter if you want to get it um it's at kyr radio so you guys can read it but i just wanted to get that i want to get that warning out there okay so anyway the onion, the onion kind of nailed this they had, the, the onion had a nice little headline that said a uh, man that lost everything in, in crypto wished another thousand people would have warned him <laughs> I, yeah, the, these, it, it's, and I, you know, I, I had family members that I tried to warn, you know how it is, man. And it's one of the, one of the worst things that can happen. I, I think it's, it's one of the things I think is fascinating about investing. It's kind of a microcosm of life. The worst thing you can possibly do as a coach or as a teacher or as a parent is to reward bad behavior. And when people are out there speculating and levering up and taking these ridiculous bets, the worst thing that could have happened to them is watch those investments go up because now they think that they were correct, right? Um, and I think that's kind of what's going on in the crypto space and people keep going back to the well. And unfortunately, man, I just think they're going to keep coming up with, uh, you know, I just think they're going to keep coming up with lashes. I mean, it's just, uh, especially with rates going up, liquidity getting sucked out of the market. That's kind of what I look at crypto now, more chases kind of a sentiment and liquidity uh, uh, indicator, if you will. And, um, you know, when you see what the Fed's doing, it's just really hard for me to see those, those things having any legs. So yeah. anyway, let's move on from that. We'll get into the commercial real estate side of it. Um, but uh, wanted to talk about the commercial real estate side of it and then get into what your thoughts are looking out at the macro economy and getting to some of the finer points. Um, but the, the commercial real estate situation, specifically commercial office space, you know, I've been telling clients that what you see, or excuse me, listeners, what you see happening right now in residential real estate with just this stall speed, what you start see, what you're seeing happening to used cars, prices and demand for new and used automobiles, right? These, the interest rates, now it's going to hit certain sectors of the economy harder than others. Right, but it's going to impact every phase of the economy. And I think the commercial office space is a perfect example of some of the pain that we're up against and some of the potential issues we're facing. Um, you and I both know, and, if, and you can jump in here at any moment and fill it in. I'm, I'm hardly a commercial office space expert. But typically, commercial real estate loans are much shorter duration than home loans, usually five to 10 years, right? Um, there have been some exorbitant prices paid for real estate of all kind in the past five years, uh, office, record prices on certain office space in certain areas. Um, you know, it's, it got fairly frothy, especially the office commercial office space. And 
what's happening, and it's already beginning to happen. Um, a prominent re- uh, uh, and very well run too. Very, very great history. Great fund. Just gave back a property, a, a office building in Washington D.C. because their loan came due, and if they went to roll it into another loan, they were going to be immediately cash flowing. You know, tens negative cash flow, tens of millions of dollars on the interest rate adjustment alone. Right. And so rather than do that, they just gave it back to the bank. And what I don't think people understand, Chase, is that that's not emblematic of a single transaction. Typically, whoever loaned them that money to purchase the property took that loan and levered that up with some other lender. Right. Mm -hmm. And then that lender took that loan and levered that up with some other lender. Right. You've got these stacks. And, and what happens when these credits starts tipping over is it creates sort of a domino effect that's similar to 2008, right? And I'm not saying we're looking at a 2008 scenario, but if we're sitting back looking specifically at the commercial office space sector of the economy, which is a really big part of it, guys, um, do, do, does it look like as much of a, of a house of pain to you as it does to me? Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think it's one, of those, it's one of those areas of the economy that has intense leverage to to interest rates so even small moves in interest rates have have a really negative impact um so even even if you know it wasn't for covid or the work from home trend if none of that had happened or if you know we weren't about to go into a recession just the interest rates would would cause some some pain and and all right guys unfortunately due to time constraints we got to cut it off right there as always you can hear the rest of this interview with chase and i by just Googling Know Your Risk Radio Podcast, you can find us on the Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, you name it. We're on it. But do me a favor. If you're going to listen, subscribe, even if you don't want to listen again. Now, I, I wouldn't understand why you wouldn't. <laughs> but listen again. The more subscribers we got, easier it is to round up good interviews to bring to you folks. So we got a good idea what's happening out there in the world. Anyway, have a phenomenal weekend. We'll see you next week. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. Thanks for listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital. Whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy, every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile. Schedule your free risk review with Zach Abraham now at knowyourriskradio.com. Zach will be back with more Know Your Risk Radio next Saturday at noon on 97.3 Cairo FM and AM 770 KTTH. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.